Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Devi College Football Podcast. I am your host, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. Actually going to be going solo with this one. Unfortunately, Derek was not able to join me this evening. And the college football season is finally a wrap with the Michigan Wolverines crowned as your national champions. So hail to the victors and go blue, baby. They went out there and took care of business, 15-0, the first 15-0 season in the history of the Big Ten. So let's get right into the game a little bit. On the Michigan side of things, it was a typical Michigan game. Blake Corum ground and pound up the middle, really broke that defense down throughout the game. And Donovan Edwards finally looked like he did towards the end of last season when he had a few big runs in a couple different games. He ended up with only six carries. But boy, did he make him count with 104 yards and two touchdowns. And Blake Corn, 21 carries for 134 and two touchdowns for himself as well. So for the Michigan side, it was all about those running backs. J.J. McCarthy didn't really do anything to help his draft stock whatsoever. 10 of 18 for 140, no touchdowns on the board for McCarthy. But he didn't turn the ball over. He managed, managed the game for his offense and led them to a W and a national championship. So for him, that's all he cares about. Still have not heard if he is returning to Michigan or declaring for the NFL draft. Same with Jim Harbaugh. I saw earlier today that he has an interview lined up with the L.A. Chargers within the coming weeks. So they're still working on that, as well as Michigan and him are still communicating about an extension. In my opinion, if Harbaugh leaves and J.J. leaves, if Harbaugh comes back, so does J.J. I think it really hinges on that. For my preference, I think it would be better for McCarthy for his draft stock to come back one more season and do it for three years as a starter and see what else Michigan can squeeze out of him and what he can show us on the field. So we will see what happens with that in the next couple of weeks. It'll be very interesting to see, especially with the whole Harbaugh saga, what he's going to do exactly. And as far as the receivers for Michigan, not anything too eye-popping. Colson Loveland led the way with three catches for 64 yards, and Roman Wilson had three for 54. Outside of that, only Cornelius Johnson had three for 25, and freshman Samaj Morgan had one for negative three. 
and the defense was really the story of the game. They got pressure on Penix early and often. He was on the ground more times than not, I'd say. Unfortunately for him, due to that, he did not look good whatsoever. He's a statue quarterback. He has next to no mobility, unfortunately for him, through all the injuries that he's had to go through. But that's what he is. He's a statue. If you get pressure on him, this is the kind of thing that can't happen. He goes from throwing that beautiful deep ball, really accurate all the time, to throwing some ducks out there and throwing off the timing patterns and things of that nature. So when you put pressure on him, it's not looking good for Michael Penix. And as we all know in the NFL, he's not going to be able to stand back there and be clean in the pocket like he has been used to at Washington these past two seasons. So for me, this game definitely did change my outlook on Michael Penix. I'm not as high on him as I once was. So we'll see what the NFL does, where he's drafted, who he's drafted to. I still won't be surprised if he's a first-round pick or second-round pick at the latest, I would think. He's going to get a chance to start somewhere next season. It's just a matter of when. And for myself, if I do end up with some Michael Penix shares, once he is named the starter and is out there, that's going to be the opportunity to sell him, and that's exactly what I would do. Once he's named a starter, he's gone. All the shares I could have will be absolutely gone on the trade block, getting out from under him before he looks like, unfortunately, Will Levis. Will Levis had that big four-touchdown game. That was the opportunity to get rid of him and sell him. And a lot of people held on to him, and after that, it was really downhill, not too impressive from Levis. So I think that could be the same story with Penix, so I'll be looking to get out nice and early and turn a profit. As far as Penix's stats go, 27 of 51 for 255, one touchdown and two interceptions. Dylan Johnson, he's been banged up all season long, it seems. He was banged up in this game coming into it, as we all knew, and he had to leave the game a couple different occasions. So he was not very effective. 11 for 33 on the ground for him, and he was the whole run game. Outside of him, there was Jalen McMillan, Will Nixon. Nobody did anything besides Dylan Johnson. Combined, the rest of the team only had 13 total rush yards, so that ground game was non-existent. Roma Dunze could have had a much, much bigger game. He was mixed on a couple different deep balls that he could have caught in, and possibly one of them he would have walked in for a touchdown. Another one, he came across the across the field and he was wide open to walk in for a different touchdown and Penix just didn't see him there so 5 for 87 not a terrible game but not necessarily the Roman Dunes 8 type of game we've been used to and for me I am firmly a Jalen Polk guy I like him much much better than his counterpart Jalen McMillan Polk had 4 for 37 and McMillan had 6 for 33 and a touchdown I mean to me McMillan, he is a very, very good slot receiver, one of the best in college football. But with the ball in his hands, he doesn't have any playmaking ability. He's not going to get you the yak that we love in fantasy, get the extra yards and break one for a touchdown. There was a couple different occasions during the game. He did, he caught the ball and he was one-on-one with the defender and he was tackled every single time. I'm just not a big McMillan guy. He's a possession receiver and that seems like that's all he is at this point. But all in all, being a Michigan guy, this was a damn good game. 34-13 to 13 was your final score. And we'll see how this plays out with J.J. McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh, 
I believe as far as Debbie and Fantasy, that's really the only relevant guys that have not declared. I'm sorry, Donovan Edwards as well. We will see if he declares. Haven't heard anything out of him yet. And we do have another couple of days until Monday the 15th is the declaration day. So we're going to see some exciting news in the next coming couple of days. And speaking of that, Quinn Ewers did announce he is returning to Texas for his senior season. It makes a lot of us question, what is Arch Manning going to do? I think he's going to sit tight in Texas. Seems like he's in a very comfortable spot as far as NIL and things like that. And he's only got to ride the back seat for another season. Get two years under his belt, under Quinn Ewers, to really nail down that offense of Sark and become very, very efficient once he does hit the field in 2025. Emeka Ibuka is returning to Ohio State as well. Not a big surprise with an injury-riddled season and him not really putting much out there to impress a lot of people, including myself. He was down at the wide receiver nine for me at the moment in this class. So for me, it's not a big deal that he's going back. Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, declared as we all expected. And then the little bit of a shocker to a lot of people, Travion Henderson is returning. Even with the big news that 2025 running back, my overall RB1 in Debbie, Quinshawn Judkins committed to Ohio State through the transfer portal. With that said, I'm not really surprised. There have been rumors all year that Travion could come back for another season, and those were even more heightened after they did lose to Michigan for the third straight season. So it's going to be Travion and Quinshawn Judkins, probably the best one-two punch in the nation next year by far. Might just end up the running back one and two in the class, depending on how Travion performs. I've seen a lot of people baffled that Travion would come back with Quinshawn Judkins coming into the fold. But from everything I've seen and read, him and Quinshawn actually spoke, and they were both fine with splitting the backfield and becoming a duo next year as opposed to one guy getting the work. And that works for both of them. It also works for fantasy managers as well going forward because there's going to be a little less tread on the tires for both of them next season splitting the load. I mean, it's not going to get better than those two in the backfield. So good for Travion for coming back. He's going to break a handful of records at Ohio State. And seems like these seniors, they are dead set on getting one more shot at Michigan. Travion's back. Denzel Burke was projected to be one of the top corners in a first-round pick is back. Uh, JTT, their star defensive end, is coming back, another projected first-rounder. And Columbus native Jack Sawyer is also returning to Columbus for another season. So they are locked and loaded. Of course, Will Howard did transfer in from the portal, will be their new quarterback. So Ryan Day is trying to keep that hot seat as warm as it possibly can be at the moment and not get fired up once again. But they are absolutely loaded with what they have returning next year and coming in. Can't forget about the number one overall recruit from high school, Jeremiah Smith coming into the fold. Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis coming back from the loaded freshman class last season. I'm a little bit worried as a Michigan fan, given what all we're losing and what all they brought in. That's what they're going for, to have an absolutely star-studded and stacked team. And Ryan Day's done a hell of a job doing that thus far to this point. And there is always the possibility... I know I said that Travion and Quinchon have spoken. They're both fine splitting with each other in the backfield next year. But there's always the possibility Judkins says, never mind, back in the portal and goes to a different school. I know he committed. I'm not sure all the logistics, if he signed a letter of intent or enrolled or blah, blah, blah. But I saw there were some people out there a little bit 
speculating that maybe he jumps back into the portal that Travion finalized coming back. So we'll see on that. It's always something to keep an eye on. In other portal news, Isaiah Bond, Alabama wide receiver, has entered the portal. I've seen it looks like he could be heading to Texas. So if he heads to Texas with Matthew Golden, Ryan Wingo, the incoming freshman, DeAndre Morph, Ryan Niblett, and Jonte Cook, it's going to be basically a track team, a wide receiver for Texas, and Quinn Ewers will have a heyday with that. In another Texas news, Jatavion Sanders declared for the NFL draft. He is my personal tight end, too, right behind Brock Bowers. Projected to be a first-round pick by a lot of people. If I don't get my hands on some Brock Bowers, I am 100% fine getting some Jatavion Sanders maybe in the late first round. You know, Depending on what your tight end premium is in your league, will ultimately depend on or ultimately decide how high he goes. But I think he'll be a late first-round pick in our rookie drafts, and I'd be perfectly happy picking him up at that point. Absolutely love his upside. He is a freak of an athlete. He can catch the ball. He can be a playmaker after he catches the ball. He's going to be a damn good NFL tight end, in my opinion, and I cannot wait. A little bit of transfer portal news. Of course, Quinshawn Judkins, the big one, going to Ohio State. Former number one JUCO player Malik Benson, formerly of Alabama, is transferring to Florida State. I personally was very high on Malik Benson heading into this year at Alabama. I was very hopeful he would take over as the alpha and the number one in that wide receiver room. Unfortunately, he did about next to nothing this season. So he is headed to Florida State to play with DJU. We'll see if he can crack that starting lineup and get one more shot at it. But right now... I'm just looking at him as a dead Debbie asset until he shows something on the field. And then if he does, I'll buy back into him later. But right now, he's a zero. And Caden Salter, quarterback from Liberty, did hit the transfer portal, but ultimately he decided to come back to Liberty. So good for him on going back to Liberty. It's a great spot for him. He had a great, great season. I expect him to repeat the success next season. Maybe there'll be a little bit of hype for him, given he is a true dual threat and he can also rip it. So it's going to be fun to see him and Liberty come back once again and have a very good season. Who knows, maybe they'll sneak into the college football playoff. And second biggest news, Malachi Nelson, former five-star number one overall quarterback in his recruiting cycle, goes from SC to Boise State. Uh, very disappointing that I've seen is basically the consensus on his landing spot. But Derek and I talked about it within the last couple of weeks. Not surprising to see him not go to a Power 5 school and go to a, you know, a group of five school, a lower tier school like Boise State. Reports are that he was not very good at USC during practice. And him going to Boise State I think is a little bit of an indicator of that, that he didn't land at another Power 5 school. But again, personally for me, not surprising at all. Doesn't mean he is dead and gone. He still hasn't hit the football field at all. And he's going to play with superstar running back that I'm very high on. I have top five in my running back rankings for 2025, Ashton Genty. So he does have at least one weapon there at Boise that he's going to be able to help him in that transition, hand the ball off to, get it to him out of the backfield. So it could be a good landing spot for Malachi Nelson in the very end. And now a little bit of high school recruiting notables. The quarterback one and overall number one player in the 2025 class, Bryce Underwood, 
has committed to LSU, and rumor is they dropped the bag on him to secure his commitment. I was real hopeful he was going to Michigan. It looked like it was leaning that way for some time. But like I said, LSU came through with a whole lot of NIL cash, and he is currently committed to LSU. We'll see if that if that sticks throughout the next year and a half. But good for LSU, getting the number one overall player. He is a very impressive high school player. So we will see what comes of that. And then 2024 wide receiver Ryan Williams, I believe he is wide receiver three in the class now, reclassified from 25 to 24, decommits from Alabama with the huge news of head coach Nick Saban going into retirement. So one of the best wide receivers in the class is back on the block, and we will see where he lands in the very end. But again, Nick Saban has retired. I think we've all known this was coming very soon, but not this soon. I didn't think he'd retire. I know he's 72, but it just, the writing wasn't on the wall there. Caught me by a complete surprise. But times have changed. The game of college football has obviously changed with the portal and NIL coming into play. And it just seems like Nick Saban doesn't have that big advantage that he's had, that Alabama being the NFL factory that it still is. But now he has to compete with a portal and NIL. You know, we're not getting guys committing to a big school and wanting to sit for one, two seasons. They're wanting to get out there right away and play. If not play year one, play year two. And unfortunately, that was part of, I guess, the allure of Alabama was that you're going to sit, you're going to learn for the most part. But now that's not the case because the players do have an out with the portal, which is absolutely great for the players. But unfortunate for Alabama and Nick Saban that he has retired. I don't know who you consider the GOAT as in terms of college football head coaches, but to me it's Nick Saban. Far and away, what he has done in Alabama is nothing short of spectacular. Built him into a dynasty, I believe seven national championships in Alabama. He also won one at LSU, if I'm not mistaken. So he had one hell of a career overall. And especially at Alabama, look what he's turned them into. NFL draft prospect factory, NFL players out the wazoo. It's probably not a single NFL team you can look at. There's not an Alabama player on the team that Nick Saban produced. So good for him going off into retirement under his terms when he felt like it was right for himself. So congratulations, Coach Saban, on a Hall of Fame career. And in my opinion, the greatest career and greatest coach we've ever seen and that we just might ever see in college football, at least for the foreseeable future. And Alabama has quickly found his replacement in Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer. Going to get a nice, fat contract to go from Washington down to Alabama. So good for him on taking that huge promotion. Great opportunity for him to see if he is the real deal. I know he has an extremely, extremely good track record between Washington and his previous stops. So it's going to be interesting to see if the type of offense he likes to run is going to work with the current Alabama team heading into next year and in the SEC overall. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see where that team heads in the next year or two under Kalen DeBoer. But that's a home run hire. I know they were looking at Dan Lanning. He decided to stay at Oregon. Mike Norvell got an eight-year, $80 million extension from Florida State, I believe. Of course, Lane Kiffin is perfectly happy at Ole Miss, so I don't think he was a serious option. I believe Sark at Texas got an extension from this as well. So this helped 
a lot of college football coaches get some new money, get some longer deals, and secure their futures with their current universities. And once again, Kalen DeBoer is your new Alabama Crimson Tide head coach. And that's just awesome for him. But thinking about it from a Michigan fan standpoint, I think that's great for Michigan as well because they just beat the last Alabama head coach and the newest Alabama head coach. So if you're a high school recruit, I think that is a little bit of a plus for Michigan that they did that. Instead of going to Alabama, why go there? When your new coach lost to Michigan, you can go to Michigan and have the same opportunity to get to the NFL still with the benefit of NIL money and things like that. So that could be a very positive for Michigan heading into the next couple of recruiting cycles. And that's all on the transfer portal, coaching news, things like that. So now I'll dive into my 2026 wide receiver and tight end rankings that I currently have. So right now for the tight end side of things, there's not really too much there. We don't see a lot of freshman tight ends break out very early on. Uh, But right now the best freshman tight end coming out of last year was the freshman from Florida, Arliss Boardingham. He would probably have to be my tight end one as of right now. And then Lawson Lucky, who was at Georgia. You can never really go wrong with a Georgia tight end at this point. Oscar Delp is also in that tight end room. So we will see what he turns into. And I guess at number three, I currently have Andrew Rapalia. I know I'm mispronouncing that, but he is the tight end at Penn State. A very, very good receiving option from looking at his high school tape. He could be an exciting player next season in the receiving game with all the vacated targets that they currently have at Penn State. And then probably the guy I am most highest on, surprisingly, is an Ohio State Buckeye, Jelani Thurman. I think he has the chance to be an absolute stud at Ohio State. We saw him a little bit in their bowl game, not too much, but he did hit the field. So hopefully he will be a part of the receiving core next year. Kate Stover has not declared yet, but I think we all assume that he will. So who knows, Jelani Thurman could be walking into a starting gig in his second year. And then coming at number five, the six foot five, two hundred thirty pound prospect Ethan Davis down there at Tennessee. I was expecting him to come into next year and hopefully be the starting tight end, but with Holden Stays transferring him from Notre Dame, that may change things a little bit. But I still do like him. A little bit underweight at two thirty for a tight end, but he has receiving chops and that Tennessee offense. You never know with how many receiving options they roll out there. We could see him make an impact next year. And moving on to wide receivers. Number one, no surprise here, Zachariah Branch. I'm absolutely in love with him as a prospect. Hopefully we see some better and more usage out of him this upcoming season. It looks like Miller Moss is going to be the starter, presumably at this point. So hopefully with no more uh, Tosh Washington Mario Williams and Dorian Singer both hit the transfer portal. Deuce Robinson is returning. And then Brendan Rice is also going to the NFL along with Taj Taj Washington. So a lot of vacated targets down there at SC for Zachariah Branch, Makai Lemon, another fellow freshman. So it's going to be very exciting to watch him grow, hopefully into a bigger role and more of a target share next season. And number two, from NC State, Kevin Concepcion, absolutely love him. He kind of was under the radar for a lot of Debbie 
for you know the Debbie community, Debbie managers, I didn't see him drafted in two bidding drafts this past year, but he really made an impact for NC State. Whether it was running the ball out of the backfield, he was used as a running back quite often, showed his versatility, played inside and outside a wide receiver. He was their best wide receiver by far. Very impressive. I've said it many times, he was a four-star guy. He's better than a majority of five-star prospects from the class, except for Zachariah Branch, I would say. Kevin Concepcion looks like he is a five-star prospect. So great season for him. And then Eugene Trey Wilson down there at Florida. He's basically Zachariah Branch light. Similar type of player, very fast. Can do great things, make you miss with the ball in his hands. If you can't get your hands on Zachariah Branch, Eugene Wilson would be a very, very good, slightly discounted option compared to Branch. I'd say right now I'm probably equally as high on Eugene Wilson as I am Kevin Concepcion, mostly because of his speed. He is a better athlete, quicker. He can probably do more things with the ball in his hands in terms of making people miss. So I'd probably lean Eugene Wilson as a higher ceiling than Concepcion, but that's not a knock on Concepcion whatsoever. I still have have him as my number two receiver. And then number four, Carnell Tate. I'm sure we all can remember last spring how he was absolutely balling spring practice, had a good spring game. Got big opportunity to show out early at Ohio State during spring ball. So he comes in at number four. It's going to be tough for him next season. He is a great player in his own right. But on my honorable mention list, I also have fellow freshman Brandon Ennis, who I have been a bigger fan of uh, as opposed to Cardinal Tate. And then we got to remember Igbuka's back, and Jeremiah Smith is coming in. He's going to be on the field early and often. They've got four extremely, extremely good wide receivers at Ohio State. So we will see how Will Howard uses all of them and right now I'd say Carnell Tate is probably maybe second probably third by the time the season comes right behind Jeremiah Smith in the pecking order I would say but he has extremely high upside his value could also go up compared to the guys in front of him so he is one to really really keep your eye on if you can get him for a good price in Debbie I would do it sooner rather than later and coming in rounding out my top five Jontae Cook down there at Texas really had hopes he would have more of an expanded role this season unfortunately he did not but next season the door is wide open for him Uh, Xavier Worthy has declared for the draft Jordan Whittingham will be going to the draft as well and Denny Mitchell is still up in the air but I assume he is going to go to the draft so right there their top three wide receivers right out the door Mentioned it earlier, Jonte Cook, and then fellow freshman Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore coming back. Then also Ryan Wingo coming in, one of the top three wide receivers in the recruiting class. And Matthew Golden, the former five-star from Houston, coming in. So there could be some competition there for Cook, absolutely. But I expect him to be out there in three wide receiver sets consistently for Quinn Ewers. And I think he's going to have a huge season Hopefully he will have kind of the career that we saw out of Xavier Worthy, but a little bit better in the end statistic-wise. And then as far as honorable mention guys that just missed my top five, I mentioned him a minute ago, Brandon Ennis is up there, and Deuce Robinson from USC 
came in as a tight end. Fantastic baseball prospect. He was being compared to Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. If you're a baseball fan, you know what high praise that is. Absolute monster athlete, about 6'5", 230, 240, I believe, at this point. He's a freak. He can go down the seam. We saw it plenty of times running past defenders with ease. Great jump ball guy due to his height and size. So I'm very, very high on him, and I can't wait to see him get some more balls thrown his way next season. And again, he was converted from tight end very early at SC, so still learning the position, and hopefully he gets some more burn next year. And then also at USC that we saw in the bowl game make a big impact, Makai Lemon. I believe he had two or three catches for almost 80 yards, so he is going to be fun watching him play next to Zachariah Branch and Deuce Robinson. Hell, this could possibly be an all-USC and all-Ohio State top five between the three USC guys and then Tate and Ennis out of Ohio State. They're going to make up a good portion of my top ten wide receivers once I expand them out that far. And then Eric Singleton Jr. rounds out my honorable mention from Georgia Tech. Arguably, besides Kevin Concepcion, he had the best freshman wide receiver season. You could argue that with Concepcion and Eugene Wilson. But Eric Singleton Jr., remember that name. I know he's at Georgia Tech, so not a lot of people tune in to Georgia Tech games. But he is a reason to. He's fun to watch. I think he's going to, value-wise, go up this season once we a lot of people hear his name a lot more, making a bigger impact as a sophomore. So he is one of my favorite buy-low targets right now before he really goes out there and puts up 1,000 yards, six, seven, eight touchdowns and his name is more well-known within the Dynasty and Debbie communities. And that wraps up my early 26 rankings for receivers and tight ends. Last week, we also did our 26 quarterbacks and running backs, so we gave you all four of the positions in our early top five and honorable mentions within the last two episodes. And on that note, that's all I got in terms of the college football stuff. Uh, For articles on the DestinationDebbie.com website, I am transitioning from my usual weekly Debbie buys and sells to 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. So my newest article should be dropping here before too long. Going to do that at least once a week, coming out with a new prospect profile on NFL Draft Guys. So that will be very exciting to dive into the weeds on those. And then this will be our last college football episode for probably the next couple of months. Debbie season is dying down. We're transitioning into rookie, more so rookie prospect season for the 2024 class. So we will be coming back on the air within the next couple of months as spring ball gets closer and we have some more Debbie and college football to talk with you and give out some more actionable information, hopefully. So appreciate you guys tuning in to our first season here with Destination Debbie. And like I said, we'll catch you sometime after the NFL draft with some new and exciting Debbie talk. So again, please check out my new weekly article up on DestinationDebbie.com. Please give me a follow on Twitter, at Gump7285. And you can also catch us on our other podcast, The Gridiron Fantasy Show. You can give that a follow on Twitter, at Gridiron underscore FS. And then, of course, at DestinationDebbie. So once again, thankful to everybody that's tuned in to our first season here. And can't wait to hop back on the air with you guys going into Season 2 here in the next couple of months. So we'll go ahead and sign off now, and we'll see you here before too long.